You've got quite a bit of paper on your seat I put there. If you, if you lay aside the, the prayer request one until the end and just get a hold of the Song of Songs one, the book by book one, praise God. And if you will, turn, turn with me to Song of, Song of Songs chapter 8 and verse 4. Song of Songs chapter 8 and verse 4. Find this in your Bibles because there's something I want you to see here. Song of Songs 8 verse 4. And when you've got that open before you will start. And Ken was, was saying quite rightly, we're going to talk about dating today. But dating, folks, does not only concern those of you who are single. By no means. And that's part of the problem we have. Globally, all over the world, we have an exodus from the churches of people aged from about 14 to about 17. It's international. It's in good countries, bad countries. It's in countries where there's revival. It's in countries where there's no revival. We are losing the young people. And one of the reasons for that is because the stuff we do, the stuff we cover, the stuff we talk about concerns us, our vision, our mission, and every church you go to is obsessed with what they want to do and then forget that the people sitting in the seats have problems. Amen. Amen. The, the kids attending, the teenagers attending need help. And the, the people they turn to, you see, look, when a teenager gets tempted to go into a bad relationship, do you know what I see? Do you know what really scares me? It's this. They don't come and ask the adults. They don't even bother Going to the pastor because in their minds they've got this preconceived idea. Why bother? Why bother talking to my parents about sex? Why bother talking to the church about sex? Because they've never spoken to me about it. They don't want to know. And they, instead of doing that, what they do? They leave. And by the millions all over the world today... The young people are leaving our churches. And sooner or later, we've got to wise up and start dealing with 2011, start dealing with the world we live in. So this is not just for those of you here this morning who are single. This is for every person who's going to be a discipler. Because the people who will come to you, your disciples, they may be single. And they will have questions. They will have things that they need answered. And you need to be prepared to handle those. It really bothers me. I think it's a terrible, terrible crime, you know, that the church commits in abandoning a generation. It's not over, folks. We can win this generation, no problem. Let's just do our job. You know, somebody once said he's a good devil, (laughs) meaning he's good at his job. And one thing the devil has done a very good job of is this convincing the world that God is against sex and the devil is for it. Convincing the young people that God is a killjoy and the devil is the one that will give you all the fun. And over the last couple of years, two years ago was it, we looked at sex in great detail, if you remember. You see, that's all the world has. We, We have eros. We have something completely different. The world just has sex, and that's, you know, just carnal. But you have to be born again to, to, to actually understand anything of the, the, the depths of intimacy that you will miss 
If you, number one, don't find God, and number two, don't bring our relationships correctly to God. Amen. Amen. So it doesn't matter who you are. Don't, please don't do that. Don't just think about yourself, but think about others. Today's book, we're working through the Bible book by book, and we've come up to Song of Songs, chapter 8 and verse 4, and look at what it says. What's the first word? Daughters, not sons. Notice that? Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Or do not awaken love until the appointed time is the version I prefer. Last week we were looking at emotions. And you see, daughters, girls, women, you are much more susceptible to emotional traumas and emotional weaknesses. This is the true understanding of Eve being the weaker vessel. This is the true understanding of it. There's many wonky understandings of it. But this is the true one. The woman is emotionally weaker than the man. And so scripture gives a particular warning to daughters, to girls, to women here. Be careful of the way you enter relationships. Be careful, very careful, that you do not release your emotions or your love, because we've all got love within us. Remember, we're made in God's image. Do not release that love before it's appointed time. And then it, it's kind of like a controlled release. It's a great thing, a wonderful thing, a, a, a gift from God. So it's not just for girls, though. It's for boys as well, right? It's for everyone. Do not awaken love before it's appointed time. Now, this, uh, the book of Song of Songs is the first time in Scripture where God takes a serious, holistic look at the subject of sex, love, and he does so in great detail. The, the Jews felt that this book was so holy because it talks about the intimacy between God and man. They felt it was so pure, so holy, that they would take their shoes off and they would kneel down as they read it. Because it was a special thing. It talked about the intimacy between man and God. In an analogy. An analogy is one fact that describes another fact. And God wanted to describe the relationship that you could have with him. And what he did was he thought, right, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll tell them about a bride and a groom. They'll understand human love. So I'll use that as an example. And basically, Scripture tells us, you know the way you can love people? Well, you can love God like that. Now, it's not exactly the same, obviously. There's not the erotic bits and all the rest of it. But you can love God with the same intimacy. Now, do you know what, folks? That's good news. Amen? <laughs> That's good news. That's good news because being in love is a fantastic experience. And, you know, going through all those great emotions, it's absolutely wonderful. It's a great thing. So God says, this is what it's like when God has got a proper place in your life. Now, the headline in the Daily Mail yesterday said, divorce in the over 60s is sharply rising within the UK. In fact, divorce folks worldwide, the church isn't any different from the world. There are some church groups that do a better job on this. But typically speaking, globally, you know, especially in the States and indeed in Europe, the statistics of divorce in the church are pretty much the same as the statistics in the world. 
Now, I always think we're crazy if we think we're above this. I really do. I think we're stupid. We think we're above it all. We're not. We're not. You know, the Paul would never encourage you to think like that. We need to, to, to wise up and realize I'm in the world too. I, I, I've got to live and, and follow these scriptural principles. and I've got to protect myself, my marriage, my home. And so do you. And I'll be careless. So the statistics are, uh, uh, for divorce are on the rise, but they're the same as the world. And that should cause us to pause and think, if the statistics are the same, then we must be doing the same things. Amen? Amen. Fair assumption? We must, be, we must be taking the same approach to dating, to sex, to marriage. We must be doing the same things, and therefore, we are having this same outcome. Could I have the next slide, please, Stefan? You remember about a year ago, two years ago, we did this. The world's way of finding a partner, the world's way of finding someone. Number one, people feel that the whole task of their lives is all about meeting the right person. That's, that's not good. You're not on an eternal quest. Life becomes a great search. And that's not it. It's about becoming the right person. Right, remember, we looked at that. People, this is the world's way of, of entering into a relationship. Meet the right person, then I'm going to fall in love. And then I'm going to set my dreams and my hopes on that person. And if these steps fail, just go back to number one again. Just go out and find someone else and fall in love and set your hopes and dreams and on and on. And like Elizabeth Taylor, what was it, seven times, round the, round the circle. Okay? So, folks, as I say, th this is coming in. It's, it's in the church. And we've got to be very careful. Question. Where did you get... Your understanding of marriage, of sex, of love, of relationships, of dating, where did you get it from? Next slide, please, Stefan. Take a look at this. This is just a few suggestions, but the vast majority of people run the risk of getting their idea of relationships from just sheer fantasy. MTV, right? Where everything is, is rosy and perfect, that's no place, right? That's no place to get your ideas about relationships. You could get it, I forgot to put granny up there. You could get it from your granny. Now, I'm sure your granny's very nice. And she may be partly right, but it's, it's, it's not the whole story, right? You could get it from your peers. And a massive influence is TV. So many soap operas. Are, are aimed at getting the young people away, showing them endless relationships and showing them false realities and making them think that they're missing so much. And then they get deceived. Listen, folks, they spend, you know, seven evenings a week watching, give me the name of the soap opera. Thank you. Watching that stuff. And then they come in here for half an hour and that's why it, the church finds it hard to compete. And they believe this junk that they see there. And it's so unreal. Or you can get your beliefs from society or from your parents. And your parents could have been right or wrong. It could work either way. They could have had some good aspects or some bad aspects. But come what may, none of these places are going to give you the whole story. And we need to get back to Scripture. Amen. Because that's where the truth is. That, that, that's where you actually find what marriage is about. Because scripture says a husband should love his wife 
As Christ loved the church, you're not going to get that on TV. Right? It's not going to be there. But that's the truth. That's the whole story. And that's the bit you, don't, you, you, know, you just don't get. What I want to do today and tonight is order our steps to, to give us a mindset. Whether you're married or single, doesn't matter. If you're married, just take it on board so that you can help your grandchildren, your children, your friends, your disciples. To or- Psalm 119 says this, Order my steps, O God. According to thy word, order my steps. And whatever order the dating that's going on in the relationship forming in the world, whatever order it is, one thing is for sure. It's, it, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster in our day and one that we need to solve. So I want to just go through. Next slide, please, Stefan. <coughs> Take a look at this. These are, if you like, potential possible common steps that we see people go through as they enter into relationships. And by the way, these are are wrong. This is the world's way so often of finding a marriage partner in life. Number one, what do people look for? (laughs) Physical attraction. So they walk into a church and you know, they look here, look there. (laughs) He looks nice. She looks nice. Whatever. And it's based on the, the, the foundation The foundation of the relationship, the attraction, can be a physical one. My mother always used to say, don't go shopping when you're hungry. Kind of scary, you know, because if you're hungry and you're looking for a relationship, you might just pick up some junk food, right? So be careful. And anyway, what's physical attraction all about? Because if somebody's physically attractive, they'll be attractive to lots of people, aren't they? There's nothing special about you. I mean, if somebody walks in here, if a guy walks in here, and you know, anybody, well, say me, if I walked in here, <laughs> lots of women would be physically attracted to <laughs> Everson! Everson! That was too loud! <laughs> that wasn't a joke! <laughs> lots of people are physically attractive. And that doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't mean that it should draw you. It doesn't mean that there should be anything particular in you that you think, oh, this is this or this is that. And couples, what I'm talking about here, folks, no problem with physical attraction. That's not my point. Listen, my point is not a foundation. Not as a foundation. And you should be very careful of that because beauty is truly skin deep. Truly. Really. You, you, and and, and as, as young people, younger people tend to think that this is such an important thing. And as you get a bit older, you, see, you, you, know, you realize how weak and feeble physical appearance actually is. If, and there are, many, there are many relationships like this, if you form your relationship based on physical things, you've got to remember those physical things are going to change. And they're going to change drastically. Right? That girl that was 10 stone is going to be 18 stone, 16. Any advances? Going to 19 here. Okay. <laughs> She's going to get bigger. And if you do a graph of, of, of the physical, Peter talks about it actually. If you do a graph of the physical appearance of a man before he's, before he's married and like 10 years later, the graph would not be too much change. But you do a graph of a woman. Especially when like two, three kids start popping out, man, that physical... Okay, I'm finished. 
you got, you cannot make this the foundation of anything because it's a false foundation. As you get older, your hair's going to fall out. Your teeth are going to fall out. Maybe, if, I don't know, your head drops off. Things will go wrong, right? And things will change. And that is a very, very, very poor, very dangerous foundation to have. But it leads, folks, number one here, it leads to a thing we know very well called dating. And it's not our topic today as such dating, but I've given you a list there of seven. It's another seminar. Could I have it up, please, Stephan, the next one? Of seven, seven habits of highly defective dating. Just looking at... Some of the reasons, and you know, I've studied this subject extensively. And, you know, the, the more I study it, the more, the more great dangers I see, folks, in dating. And I know for some of you young people, if this is the first time you've heard this, you probably think, you're crazy. How am I supposed to form relationships? We'll get there in a moment. But just dating as a, as a, as a common practice, it's been around about 130 years, began largely in the 1930s in America with a thing called the Roaring Twenties and then kicked off in the 1960s. But prior to that, it wasn't really that much heard of. And marriage selection was done with parental consent and arranged marriages, etc., etc. So it's not an, an age-old thing. It's, in fact, it's, it's very modern. But dating leads to all sorts of problems. Like, look at the first one. I'll just run through these quickly. Dating leads to intimacy, but not necessarily commitment. Do you understand that? It's like having your, you know, I want my meat, but I don't want my vegetables. I want my pudding, but I'm not going to eat my broccoli. You can, yeah, you can. You can get intimacy through dating, but you don't necessarily have commitment in dating. And really, listen, folks, intimacy is a reward for commitment. Intimacy follows commitment, or it should do. Do not awaken love before it's safe. So don't get intimate before you... God's trying to protect you. Trying to protect you. Trying to warn you about how, whether you realize it or not, how vulnerable and weak and susceptible you actually are to your emotions and your feelings, folks. Okay? So, yes, it does. You, you can't deny that. Dating does give intimacy, but that doesn't mean it gives any commitment. Could I have my rock climbers up, please? Take a look at these guys. That's commitment. There's a rope there. And they are interdependent. That's full commitment. Not so much intimacy. And you see, if the guy on the front says, well, do you know what? I'm a bit fed up holding the rope for you. I think I'll just cut the rope. Or the guy beneath says, well, I'm fed up following. Both of them are vulnerable. And you don't want to enter into a relationship with intimacy first. And then... 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 whatever, divorce right, over 60s is sharply on the right. 30 years later, you find that the person wants to cut the rope because the commitment wasn't actually there. Next slide, please. So point number one, dating, yes, it does give intimacy, but that doesn't mean any commitment. Point two, dating tends to skip the friendship phase of a relationship. And I, I mean, don't underestimate this. It's, once again, it's not our topic for today. But friendship is a wonderful thing. And if, if somebody's not your friend, you're going to marry them? What are you going to do? 
Friendship is the starting place of, of, of any relationship that's going to be good and, and enjoyable. What, if you think about what's, what friends do, what do friends do? So Jeanette's my friend. Today she wants to eat pizza. I don't. I want to eat roti prata. But you know what? We'll do what you want today. We'll do what you want. I value your friendship and friends know how, I want to talk, talking about relationship, friends know how to give and take. And friends value the relationship. Something's happening when you're making friendship. But listen, folks, you know the divorces. It's those who don't build strong friendships. Those who don't know the give and take of life. Who always have to take. It's always got to be my way or you get your mood swings, your attitudes. This is the root of the divorce problems that we have. But the truth is friendship, which is full of one day I have to give way, one day you have to. Not only does this build a good marriage, this creates good and godly leadership within churches. It will affect all of your life. Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. What does Solomon, what does the wisest man who ever lived say? Make friends. Learn how to make friends. That's what those two books are about, right? Relationships. So you can see then how friendship as the basis of a marriage is fantastic. Because there's so many days when you're not going to have your way and you need to be happy about that. Amen. Amen. You need to be happy about that. And smile and say, okay, I didn't want to do this today, but you want to do this. But I value the friendship. Not the relationship, not the love, not the marriage. I value our friendship, so it's my turn today. Friendship is a very good foundation. Number one, dating leads to intimacy, but not necessarily commitment. Two, dating tends to skip the friendship phase, and then you're going to pay for that later. Three, dating often confuses physical relationship for love. That's true. Four, I'll just skip through these. Dating often separates people from other vital relationships in their lives. I'll cover that later. Five, dating often distracts people from their main purpose in life. Absolutely fine. This is so true. This church is going through a phase, a change change right now, today. This is hand over Sunday between Tom and I. And I can tell you from experience, so many times I, I, I spot someone. For discipleship, I spot someone and God says, that's the one I want to use. And by the time you get to them, they're in a relationship and they go, they go so often and they miss the opportunity. Six months later, the relationship's not there. Dating often distracts people when it's not the right one from their key source or goal that God brings up in their lives. And you just got to be careful of that. Point six. Dating can make single people unhappy. Some people are called to be single, you know. And Kem said, right, it's God's will for you to marry. And, and Gordon nudged me and said, uh, well, some people are actually called uh, not, not, not to be married, right? Okay, no problem. But you know what I'd say? Do you know one thing I would say? That's true. Paul does say that. Paul says it's better for a man or woman not to marry so that they can focus on the things of God. One addendum, which is a modern day addendum, it is this. The world has changed since 2 Corinthians. I should be, do you know what? Today, you're probably better getting married. Do you understand? I tell you, I worked in a factory not long ago. It was only about eight or nine years ago. 
And I tell you, that was one loose place, one bad place. And you just thank God. I thank God for my relationship as I was with those guys. I thought, man, this is, this is a wicked world. And you've got to relate. It's called transposition. You've got to relate scripture to the day in which you live. And I would say to you, hey, get married unless you feel, you know, that anointing is on you for singleness. Fine. And that's a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing and a better thing. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I, we need to live in this. We're in this world at, at this moment and we need to be wise about that. So number six, dating. Once someone's dated, but they're called to be single because they want to go and see, do what everybody else is doing. That can make them then unhappy from that point on. Seven, dating creates an unreal environment for assessing a person. And that's, you know, couldn't be more true. Dating is a false environment altogether for assessing a person and how they would be to live with. Nothing can really do that for you. Next slide, please, Stefan. Thank you. So, <coughs> be extremely cautious about physical attraction. It's fine, no problem, but it's not a foundation for anything. So, the person who gets their... Um, relationships wrong, the person who follows the world's way, number one, they see someone they like and then they jump straight in, in disobedience to Song of Songs, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not awaken your emotions, which we were talking about last week, do not awaken your emotions until you're secure and until you're safe. But they ignore that. Probably this person, people would not talk to their mom, their dad, pastors, no. They're physically attracted and they go straight in to emotional investment. And it's basically, you can sum it up, they do two things. Time, time together and touch. Time and touch. And the woman is so vulnerable, she confuses the touch for love. Now, that's a dangerous thing. Remember, we explained women's bodies are different from men's bodies. Did you know that? Okay, no problem. Women's bodies are wired differently from men. And a woman is aroused by touching any part of her body. It's a physiological fact. So when, you know, you tell people don't hold hands. In fact, I had a conversation with a guy who was kind of mocking me recently, not from this church. On this very topic, he was looking at me like I was an antique. Thinking, listen to this guy. He said, he said we can't hold hands. And I just got the guy on his own and began to explain to him what he's doing in his relationship when he's touching and the, the end consequences of that and the long-term consequences of that. And he was very good, very teachable and said, okay, I did, didn't understand. I didn't know because the church didn't, because they weren't interested. It's a problem, you see. For lack of knowledge, our, our, our youth are perishing. So be careful of that emotional phase because it, it is just too high a price and you cannot, you're awake. Song of Songs in previous chapters says love is as powerful as death. That's strong. And you're awakening something that you think you can control and you cannot control it. So God is right. Leave that thing sleeping until it, it's safe and secure for you to open it up. Or you will be emotionally messed up, psychologically messed up. Not a good plan of action. So this is the world's way physical attraction, they jump straight into the emotional phase. And then what do they do? They turn up with, to mummy and daddy with the social phase. They turn up and say, you know, this is Marigold and the date is April the 3rd. April the 1st, maybe, yeah? This is it. And with, with no prior consent, with no 
you know, the, the parents don't know who the person is. And, but, you know, people have walked in and said, we want this data, that. Hang on, guys, I don't even know who you are. Who's he? Where'd you get him? He's the man I'm going to marry. Marry what? What are you talking about? Crazy stuff, folks. The, the social phase is a very important phase. And if you intend to have success in bringing your potential spouse home, believe me, this is not the way to do it. But it's like magnets. Magnets can, magnets can repel or they can attract. Well, if you disobey in the first step and you disobey in the second step, and then you bring somebody home, boing, Parents, of course, naturally, they think, well, I don't know him. And you say, oh, he's lovely. Well, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. And then you've caused a whole heap of problems for yourself. But, I mean, even if it was the right guy or the right girl, just by doing the social phase, the, the introduction phases, at the wrong point, you create a whole world of trouble for yourself that was actually unnecessary. All right? So the social phase has a place, that's just not it. Fourthly, the psychological phase, and this is where things start getting serious. Look, let's say Joe, not Joe, not our Joe, this is just a name. Let's say Joe brings Jill home. And Joe goes home to his parents and he says, you know, hi, this is Jill. And Joe's already made his mind up, this is who I'm going to marry. But guess what? Mom and dad say, I don't like her. Don't like her. She's too chopsy, too cheeky, too this, too that. I don't like her. Do you know what happens in many cases? Joe eliminates the parents. Not the one he's brought home. And with many people, one person comes into their lives and 20 people leave. They, you will be the one. Why? Because they have got emotional investment. That's why. Because before they ever come to you, they have already made those connections, made, and they will not give them up. So this is the most foolish of things. When they end up presenting in the social phase, they end up presenting someone. Once people start leaving your life because of a relationship you're in, the alarm bells are ringing, friends. Amen. Amen. The alarm bells are ringing. When the people you love, and I've dealt with this over and over and over again in marriage counseling, when the people you love are telling you there's a problem, there's a problem. And I've had to you know, get a hold of young men and, and, and girls and say, listen, your father loves you more than him. Your mother loves you more than her. Don't you realize that? How long have they been with you? 20 years, 25 years. You've known this person six months and they love you more than anything? Come on. Do you know what's happening? Psychology. That's what's happening. Things are changing in the mind, but particularly with the, the daughters here, particularly with the women, because their emotions are screwed up. And this is where terrible decisions are made. This phase here, folks, physically attracted, you've got emotional investment when you were warned not to. The social phase becomes a catastrophe. It's a disaster. And then you end up on your own with this person. And everybody else is gone. And then the psychology starts. Nobody wants me anyway. They're the only friend I have. I'm not talking to my parents anymore. All my friends think this. They've all deserted me anyway. The only person I actually have. And the mind games start to kick in. And that, I mean, that's a big problem. And this is incredibly common. Elson, come here a minute. Poor old Elson. Where is he? 
Is he hiding? Come down here, quickly. Give him a round of applause here. Come on, don't be afraid. What you got to be, what you got to be conscious of. You're a good man, praise the Lord. Come on up here. Let's say he's a, he's a woman, okay? Just, I'm oh, saying, sorry. Well, he dresses like a woman sometimes. I'm only joking. I, I, I'm just okay, come here. Let's say, let's say he's, he's my girlfriend, okay? He's my girlfriend. I'm a man. He's a woman. And then we go, do you know dating? Watch. Shiny shoe. Best foot forward. Best foot forward. Dating always. Right? And you, off you go. Everything's perfect. What could go wrong? Guess what, folks? There's another foot coming and you can't see it. Thank you. Sorry. There's another aspect. Dating is not a good measure because dating will be polished, dating will be perfected, dating is a presentation, not a consultation, which is what it needs to be. It needs to be a consultation with those around you, your church, your parents, so that they can see, and believe me, they will see things that you will never see. So you can see how common this is, and I'm sure you, maybe you see yourself in here, that's okay. Maybe you came down this road and you made a, a mistake in your marriage. No problem. It's all right. God can fix you up. God can help you and make good out of a bad situation. Not the end of the world. Well, it is the end of the world, but it, you know what I mean. Psychological phase is when the mind games start to kick in. And it's a sorry, sad situation because it leads to the conclusion, which is the devil's trap, which is the final spiritual deception that many people find themselves in. Now, listen, folks, listen, listen, watch this. They got attracted. They got their emotions. They released their emotions without security or commitment. It's been a disaster with my parents. It's been a disaster with the church. Now they don't want me on the worship team. Now they want me to do this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then the, the, the mind game set in. So everything's been wrong from the beginning. Do you know what the conclusion of the couple is? Let's get married. That's what we need to do. Get married. Because if we get married, everything will be okay. Let's, I tell you what, let's not just get married. Let's have the biggest, best wedding that you could ever possibly imagine. And people come to you that have got, I've got a penny in their pocket and they're having like a 25,000 pound wedding or something. Like that's some endorsement that they crave so much, the endorsement on a relationship that the, the woman particularly has become emotionally involved in in a way that she shouldn't. And then they crave endorsement and they come looking for the man of God because if he does it or she does it, everybody will then see it. And they mistake these you know, performances or a show for what they think is love and they're trying to get affirmation. And you need to you know, spot that and see it and expose it and say, this is not good. This relationship is not good. You see, because that's, folks, no problem. Big weddings. Have the biggest wedding you want. I'm just saying, it doesn't confirm anything. It doesn't confirm anything. Nothing whatsoever. It's simply a ceremony, a covenantal ceremony. But people abuse it, misuse it. And this is often the case. When, you, when everything, the bigger the disaster, so often they're looking for commitment, you see. They're looking for permanence of some sort. I'm out of relationship with my parents. I'm out of relationship with my friends. We're on our own now. I crave permanence because I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where he's going. don't know where she's going. Let's just get married. Well, that is not the criteria for getting married. Amen. That's not the criteria for getting married. That's a bad decision, bad way 
to make a decision. Okay, last slide, please, Stefan. That's the world's way. And you can see this, and I'm sure you do. You can see it in your friends. And if you see them making that mistake, for heaven's sake, build a relationship with them and start to explain to them that that's not the right road. Don't let them crash out. Don't let them go wrong. But try and advise them. Try and say to them, this is no good. This is not biblical or normal. If they're unsaved, you can still give the same advice. They deserve the, the, the same help from you. You can advise them. But God's way, if you look, it's exactly the opposite. It's upside down. It's just simply reverse that list. Put number five at number one and you will be absolutely fine. Number one, start, as we said before, start with a, a, a spiritual outlook on life. It's not about finding the right person. It's about you becoming the right person. And as soon as you're on that road, as soon as you commit yourself to your all in all, who is God, he will look after everything else in his time. You focus on God. It's not about meeting anybody. It's about becoming. So first, that spiritual phase, that you find your true spiritual self and you know who you are. Because if you know who you are, you can begin to get an idea of who you want to marry. But if you haven't even found yourself spiritually, you don't want to, you know, be a donkey, marry a donkey, and then in 10 years' time, you want to become all spiritual. You know what I mean? You need to find your spiritual self so that you can match yourself or you can feel that true match. We go to bed early on Saturday nights because we get up so early. We were lying, maybe this is a bit too, too, too much information. <laughs> we were lying in bed last night and we just couldn't stop praying. Just lying there and praying in tongues and pray for different things. And next thing I hear, oh, she's asleep, never mind. <laughs> she falls asleep. I couldn't stop praying. So I actually knelt down in the bed underneath the blankets. <laughs> I prayed away. It was about half past one. I went to bed about nine. It's because it's spiritual intimacy, you see? Spiritual oneness. I came in here this morning, what, quarter past four, half past four? We prayed together for about four hours for you, right? You see, what's that? That's because we definitely started here, Jeanette. And I knew what I needed in my life, and I saw that in you. And you obviously knew what you needed in yours. And that spiritual unity, that oneness, starting there, helps you make a very good match. And believe me, folks, you will not regret that. Right? If you take this God's way, listen to me. Find your true spiritual self. What are you? Where, where are you going? Find that. And then God can bring the match God can bring the partner that he intends that will complement you and help you achieve his goal and you're on the right road. The second phase in God's mind, the psychological phase, what do we mean by that? Well, okay, you've become your spiritual self and you feel that this might be him or this might be her. The psychological phase is when you set your mind. You don't play mind games. David said, I set my forehead like flint. In other words, he set his mind on the things of God. And you make a commitment that in this relationship, God, see this person, I like them. God, see that person, I like them. 
and you make a mindset that you are going to pursue God and you're going to put God first in this relationship, you start to pray about it, right? The psychological phase. Then, in God's order, would be the social phase that you could talk to your parents, certainly talk in your church. Your parents might not be saved. And maybe you want to just bring that person along and let other people make an assessment of them. Because older people will see so many things that you don't see. All you see are roses and chocolates, right? And older people will see things that you do not see. And some of those things, they, you know, they might not be prohibitive. In other words, they might not stop you from getting married. But at least you can be aware of them and you can work on them. Or if it is something that, that, that should stop you getting married, they should be able to tell you. But you haven't invested, you see. Because you're coming to the social phase, you have not yet opened your emotions. You've obeyed the Bible. Do not. Do not. Daughters. Listen, girls. Do not awaken your emotions before you have created a safe environment to do so. A God environment to do so. And that's okay, you see. In this social phase, you're open to correction. Your parents can say, not this person, not that person. So once you've had confirmation in this phase that you've talked to your pastors, you've talked to your parents, it is then you've got your engagement date set. Then and only then, really, can you start to put that scripture aside. It's now time for you to release your emotions. It's now time for you. You can give yourself in love, not physical love, because point five is only after marriage. Okay? Folks, there are tens of thousands of people who wish they had known that. You only get one life. You only get one shot at it. And what a shame it is to sell yourself short or to believe the, the, the rubbish and the junk that the fantasy or soap operas or your peers will tell you. Don't fall for it. You are selling yourself so far short because God has got something better. You just need to believe for that, look for that, pursue that. Amen. Amen. So, and, and to everyone here, no matter who you are, I don't want to go back over old turf, but I, I, I repeat to you, I was an appalling husband, a dreadful husband to Jeanette. I'm ashamed of that, but I'm not ashamed to tell you it because I want you to know that. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm saying it just the way it is. I was an appalling husband to her for about two years because I, I, I couldn't cope. But thank God I changed. Say yes now. Say yes. Thank you. I changed. So no matter where you find yourself at, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you could say, well, I'm not happy. Believe me, you can get happy. God is able to intervene in your relationship. He's able to help you and change you and change your mind and bring alive a friendship and, and rekindle that love within your relationship if you're married here today. You need to do what you're told. <laughs> I'm going to do what I'm told and I'm going to serve the kingdom and we will see fruit because of that. You also need to do that and you need to serve him the same way you've served me. Amen? Commit to discipleship. Things need changing around here because this church is a long way off the, the, the DNA that we have the responsibility to produce for those who oversee us. 
and that's not something I do well. It's something Tom's particularly good at. So you may not understand that. I want you to understand you need to give your full support for these next years when change continues. Change is good news. When change continues to take place and you will only be blessed because of it. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.